Welcome to the ESG Matters Podcast. My name is Ahmad Gomis, and I'm your host. Today, we have Sian Halden, Chief Impact Officer of Monch. Monch offers technology and advisory solutions to measure, manage, and report ESG and sustainability data. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Thank you for being here. So when we talked previously, you discussed that you were an attorney in a previous life, and I'm just curious, how did you pivot from being an attorney to working in ESG? Yeah, sure. So I guess for me, there was probably always a little bit of like ESG um, or wanting to have some sort of a social positive impact sort of in my blood and in my sort of ambition. So having grown up in South Africa, um, even although I went down the law route and worked for a really big law firm, the time when I went into legal practice was a really interesting time because we had just embedded our new constitution in South Africa, which meant that human rights was at the forefront of everything. And um, for businesses, this became uh, a priority for them to be thinking about how to integrate human rights across their governance, their strategy and operations, and also specifically thinking about black economic empowerment at the time. So the work that I was doing, you know, sort of had a strong focus on those elements at the time. And, and we also did quite interesting things like working with large mining corporations and, and helping them to embed really big CSR um, programs. One of the examples was embedding a, an HIV program for a large mining company. So I guess I've always, you know, sort of had that passion and drive to drive positive impact through whatever I'm doing. So focus on that work as a lawyer. But then, yeah, I felt that I wanted to have much more of that sort of a focus. And and as things have been kind of evolving over time, I moved in, right into the impact space, into the philanthropy field, so working for large not-for-profits for a while and really enjoyed that. And then, you know, sort of moved into a more, I guess, holistic ESG impact type of role at Munch. Yeah, so it's it's it hasn't been too difficult for me to transition, given you know sort of my personal, I guess, goals. But yeah, it's it's been a bit of a sort of move in my career from you know sort of moving to the not for profit world and then also into a more sort of holistic space now. And in that uh, vein of being in a holistic space, Munch. Mm-hmm from my understanding, is an impact platform really focused for philanthropy, impact investors, and corporations. Mm-hmm. And I am and I know some people out there are a little unclear of what do you mean when you say an impact platform. And yeah. I was wondering if you could explain what that means. Yeah, sure. So the word munch actually means platform in Hindi. So our founder, Dashi, uh, is from Mumbai. And her vision, really, when creating munch was to provide solutions which will really help organizations, you know, sort of like leapfrog into taking much more positive impact into all decision making and and really driving positive impact. So she sees, you know, Munch as being a platform into driving um, that sort of that change really in behavior and, and helping 
organizations with really that sort of being able to understand impact and ESG because there's still quite a lot that people you know sort of struggle with you know sort of when it comes to tracking impact and ESG reporting there's there's a lot of lack of transparency so really we see ourselves as an organization that's providing these integrated technology and advisory solutions to help with the measuring managing and reporting of ESG and sustainability data. And one interesting part of that measuring and managing, and I know a lot of companies and states also are really trying to understand when we think about impact is that the UN Sustainable Development Goals are seemed really to be geared more towards state actors, but you do yeah. see corporations and nonprofits really taking an active role in there. And thinking about that, when you talk about impact, I wonder how does Munch help non-state actors address and quantify their actions in a way that they can help to, Munch can help them respond to SDG porting and helping them communicate the value that they're bringing to the world, even though they're a non-state actor. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of share a little bit more about like, I guess, Munch's approach for companies in terms of thinking about um, impact and ESG. So the way we think about ESG and impact, you know, ESG is a great starting point. And like, we're really glad that ESG is now, you know, sort of becoming a lot more, you know, sort of, I guess, just generally accepted people do, you know, sort of prioritize ESG when it comes to reporting, and they are considering environmental, social and governance factors, uh, alongside financial factors in overall investment decision making processes. So from an investment perspective, it's becoming more important. And of course, then this is pushed down onto companies who need to be showing how they're obviously complying with ESG considerations. So of course, you know, sort of, they are talking more about climate, the climate crisis, sustainability, you know, diversity and inclusion, human rights, consumer protection, and then, you know, governance, like the management structure, um, executive remuneration, and, and, and trying to be a little bit more transparent. So it's a really great starting point. And I guess like what we think is a bit of a challenge, if you're just thinking about ESG, is that because it's investor driven, it often has a bit of a risk focus to it. So it's not necessarily proactive for companies then, you know, sort of they're more thinking about, ooh, sort of how do we avoid risks or, you know, mitigate risks. And that's where we think the SDGs come in to sort of help give a little bit more of a sort of holistic approach, as well as CSR, because all of these things are obviously interconnected. And I think where we've seen companies struggle a bit because Obviously, ESG is one thing they're reporting in terms of ESG risks. And then they're thinking about corporate social responsibility. And it's almost like a bolt-on, which is not really integrated. And this is where we think if you bring together ESG, CSR, and then, of course, the UN SDGs, which, as you say, they definitely were, um, they've obviously been agreed at state level. And it's a way for us to understand, um, you know, sort of the global challenges that we face as society. If you think about how a company can look at the SDGs, obviously, you can look at under the pillar of people. There's human rights, employment, health and safety. Those are all in within the SDGs. And of course, planet life on land, life on underwater and climate are within the SDG framework. Prosperity, we're thinking about anti-corruption, innovation and infrastructure. And of course, partnerships is all about collaboration. So 
if we bring all these things together at Munch, then we talk about how a company can think about their overall net societal impact. And that means they'll be thinking about their positive impacts. They'll be thinking about their negative impacts too. They'll be thinking about their intended impacts and also their unintended impacts. And it's just a way then to really be able to clearly articulate and understand sort of what impacts you're delivering and driving as a company. And then I thought it might be helpful to kind of um, almost give you a sort of a little bit of like a specific example on SDG alignment, because a lot of companies, they want to use the SDGs, which you know, and they sometimes then like cherry pick SDGs. So they'll be like, oh, yeah, we're contributing to, you know, sort of. Yeah, they definitely pick the ones that are easiest. And to your point about it being sort of risk, you're like, oh, these are ones that we're already doing because we have to do, or maybe there's already regulations in place. So of course we have a great story there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they'll be like, oh yeah, like SDG 9, infrastructure, industry, and innovation or something like that. So like here's an, like the way we think about it is because also all the goals are so interconnected, you can't almost like just have one goal because if you dig a little bit deeper into the targets and the indicators, you can see how they interconnect to each other. So like an example that's quite helpful is If you, for example, are a business and you have an apprenticeship program, yeah, definitely you can think about then sort of SDGs that you're contributing towards. And here you would be contributing towards SDG 8, so decent work and economic growth, SDG 4, quality education, SDG 9, that is industry, innovation and infrastructure, and SDG 5, gender equality. So just by having an apprenticeship program, you're already contributing to several of the SDGs. And you can also then dig a little bit deeper, like depending on how you're paying apprentices, then you could be negatively or positively impacting. So looking at the average hourly earning sort of of your apprentices versus other staff. And also kind of if you sort of dig sort of further, you can really get a sense of, yeah, how you're going to impact on all the SDGs. So again, um, another one like the target of SDG Eight is 8.5. So by 2030, achieve full and productive employment and decent work for all women and men, including for young people um, and persons with disabilities and equal pay for work of equal value. So you can definitely dig a little bit deeper and understand the SDGs. And, and really, that's why I'm saying if you look at your business across people, planet, prosperity and partnerships, you can have a, a good sense of how you're actually impacting on far more SDGs than you might think you are. And I I really like the idea of the net societal impact because I think a lot of times companies really need to understand and internalize the externalities that they often think that they're not a part of. And what I think to your point when you talked about SDGs is that when you have this holistic view, you get to really understand how your organization is an active participant and the societies in which it operates, lives, and thrives. Absolutely. And that's so important. Yeah, definitely. So uh, just sort of picking up on that thread, when we think about the idea of the net societal impact, we understand with the SDGs, with ESG generally, the environmental side is fairly easy to quantify and to compare because there's a lot more structure around it. There's a lot more methodologies that have been developed in the last 10 years to really help clarify some of the ambiguity. But with the S 
in ESG is really still difficult. And a lot of companies really struggle to quantify it and maybe even to come up with that net societal impact. And I was wondering, is there a way or has there been a way that you've seen Monch help companies and non-state actors really quantify that S in a way that helps them report to the SDGs, it helps them report to their stakeholders in a way that really provides a, a narrative and maybe even a an action that they can provide to interested parties. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, sort of to that point, it's really interesting because there is more of a focus on the E of ESG, as you say, because it's easier to quantify. We've got like science-based targets. You can actually, yeah, sort of measure once you've got systems in place, you can start sort of measuring environmental impacts. But definitely, I think like the the S and the G are increasingly becoming sort of much more important. We've seen that also with the recent, you know, sort of like Tesla, Elon Musk debacle, where they've been moved out of the ESG index, Tesla. And of course, there were, Elon Musk was outraged. But reasons for that were actually sort of the safety of the vehicles still sort of there's there's been a couple of reports around safety measures and also in terms of how actual staff are treated there's been a couple of leaks so we can see that investors are you know sort of a lot more concerned about um, these factors so to those to that point there's ways that we definitely would look at it again so if we think about people planet Um, you know, those categories again. And under people, we've got human rights, employment and health and safety. So we think of just sort of those topics. And and it could link also to sort of like the kind of the governance aspect. So which we would call like, I guess, prosperity under the SDGs. So anti-corruption and and looking at executive remuneration and, and things like that. So some specific things then that we would, you know, sort of help companies think about are uh, equality, dignity. Uh, so those fit into obviously the, the diversity and inclusion agenda. And here we can look at gender pay equality. So those could be sort of some things that companies could start really disclosing and reporting on. They could also show, you know, sort of and report on diversity levels within a company. And I know this one can be a bit tricky because it does differ from jurisdiction to jurisdiction what you're allowed to disclose in terms of diversity, whether that's just male-female split. And of course, then we, we, you know, sort of might be thinking about sort of other ways that people identify themselves as other genders. And also then we're looking at, you know, sort of race. So looking at ethnic ethnicity. So it does depend on how you can report. But if you can report on certain aspects of those, I think it's helpful because just saying, oh, we can't report on these things. Um, sort of, I think it's about starting to say, look, we want to disclose um, something at least. And and internally also, you know, trying to make some some changes to recruitment processes. And of course, there's also wage level ratio, which you can show, you know, sort of between lowest paid to highest paid. Also, when it comes to health and well-being, risks of incidents. So looking at, you know, sort of accidents um, and reporting on sort of that sort of thing. And when it comes to general health and well-being, you can obviously also look at um, staff attrition, those sorts of numbers, average uh, years of of employment, how long do people stay with you? You can also look at number of the absentee rate 
for workers. So there's quite a few things you could look at which tell you that story around the S sort of numbers. And then, of course, there's more qualitative things which show your impact on wider communities. And those You could sort of set some goals and targets. So if you're partnering with a not-for-profit and you specifically want to be delivering on something with a not-for-profit over a period of time, you could have some sort of goals with that not-for-profit that you want to be delivering jointly. But some of it is more, more qualitative that also helps to just back up these numbers. Yeah. And I think that's really important that whether it is quantitative or qualitative, I think the methodology that a company creates to measure, monitor, and report, there's a lot of value in that and being transparent. So I I think that sometimes companies, from my experience, have one, they don't really, oftentimes they do have the data and they don't want to report it because it's not good. Yeah. That goes to the whole idea of if it's not good, then how are you fixing it? And the willingness to fix things oftentimes is where the rubber meets the road and people don't really want to do that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's with the SDGs and with a lot of the different types of reporting metrics, they're really there. And I think people forget, not necessarily just for you to report out to say you are in compliance, but it's to drive actionable change. Absolutely. It's about telling the story um, and showing sort of how you are on a journey, really, as a business. Of course, like other things around sort of, we spoke about obviously the apprenticeship example just before with the SDG. So definitely skills and training, that's a huge social impact that you can have as a business on how you obviously grow talent, how you retain talent. And, And of course, community investment is another big one. So that ties back into, you know, sort of the traditional CSR aspects. And all of this, if you're as a company willing to start telling the story, and you don't have to be perfect, as you say, you know, you might start off by going, oh, okay, we've got a problem here. But the first thing is to be able to acknowledge that there's an issue and then think about, okay, how we can now sort of start implementing changes that will make the story a lot better in the long run. And do we want to set ourselves goals, which is important? What ambition do we have to be better? And I I think also in the U.S., I can only speak for the U.S. that that's where I'm based and that's where my work experience is primarily focused, that when we think about these macro changes in our culture and society, like right now we're going through the thing called the great resignation where so many people are looking and evaluating their current work experience and work-life balance and pay and looking for places that better align and with inflation that we're having, salaries are increasing and people are looking for different opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the companies that, to your point, that have focused before this on diversity, equity and inclusion, Mm -hmm. pay ratio, salary transparency, a lot of those things that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I would argue are in a better fit to whether these changes, because one, employees understand what they're doing They understand the value that they're bringing to the company and that the company is either working to address some some discrepancies that can't be explained through anything outside of the normal realm of work experience or level of complexity of position and things of that nature. And I think the companies that haven't invested in their employees and haven't invested in themselves as an organization Mm -hmm. to do this are probably the ones feeling the greatest pain when it comes to this. And we see this, especially in low to moderate skilled jobs as well. 
Yeah. So I think that's such a interesting thing that like, again, these SDGs, these reporting metrics are really there to I- help you identify things that you need to work on because you don't know when the next tsunami is coming and yeah. you need to prepare yourself. Absolutely. And it's not just, as you say, it's not just uh, investor driven, although investors are, um, again, back to the Tesla example, investors are looking at these because for a business to be sustainable and viable in the long term, you need to have an engaged workforce. You need to have sort of people who are helping you grow as a business. And your other stakeholders are obviously, yeah, absolutely critical. People have so much access to information now. You know, you'll Google companies and you'll be like, mm, I'm not sure I really want to work there. You'll rather choose somewhere else. And especially you'll go somewhere where you can see, okay, this is what they're doing. This is what their ambition is. Yeah, I like that. It aligns with me. It aligns with my values. And of course, when it comes to some of that information on sort of how they're addressing things like gender pay equality, etc., definitely people will go to those places where they feel that they'll be more valued. You you come from a place where, and, you, and Manch is also located in a place where there's a lot more ESG regulations than in the US. Yeah. And I'm wondering selfishly because typically the U.S. will follow what other locations are doing when it comes to ESG. It may take five to 10 years, but we'll eventually catch up. And I'm wondering, are you seeing any reporting trends or requirements or laws or anything that you're seeing uh, different countries starting to implement that selfishly folks like myself who work in the U.S. should maybe start to look at and think about uh, starting to incorporate those ideas or concepts into the work we're currently doing. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's quite a lot, as you say, that's being regulated at the moment. So the EU has definitely driven a lot of this agenda. So first of all, with SFDR, which is Sustainable Financial Disclosures Reporting, So basically, companies with more than 300 employees need to actually report on sustainability information. So this is often also like linked to some of the more non-financial aspects, as we know. But there's a real sort of drive for that now. And it's regulated. So the EU has pushed for this. And then, of course, we've also had TCFD, which is around climate disclosures. So these are sort of the two key ones, which everyone is really gearing up to. Something that's on the horizon, which I think is really interesting, and which I think the US is not really part of, is around biodiversity and nature. So TNFD, which is the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosures, um, this is becoming like a really hot topic And we're starting to see, I guess, our dependency on on nature. And we know, obviously, we rely on nature. Most of our global resources and industries rely on nature, you know. So if we treat nature as though we don't really sort of think about it and that risk of losing nature and all of the resources is huge. So... I think that that's something which is definitely going to be a big one. And I read something also yesterday, which I'm just trying to find it. So the European Commission was proposing the first ever legislation that explicitly targets the restoration of Europe's nature. So this is really interesting. It's really about not only thinking about minimizing use of nature, so thinking about deforestation and that, it's actually thinking about regeneration. So I think that's going to be a big one, which the US will also want to as a you know large consuming society 
be be thinking about. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the ESG Matters podcast. I think you gave some really great ideas and concepts that folks like myself need to really start to incorporate and think about how we can leverage this understanding and improve our ESG plans and policies to meet the current and future needs of both reporting and also the end goal of reporting, which is to make the world a better, safer, and more more enjoyable place for all. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the ESG Matters podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe to the ESG Matters podcast on your choice of podcast platforms. This podcast is brought to you by Amat Gumis and theme music by Dexter Thomas. Thank you.